when we got our first paid user, I was like, oh my God, we might actually do this. And then the next inflection point is like profitability. And when I say profitability, I mean like, you know, all of us just pay ourselves one, $2,000 a month. That's really liberating time because it's like, hang on, I don't need to go back to a job ever again. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast rubbing you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, James McKinman, and today I'm bringing you a very special episode. I spent hours over the Christmas break digging into the archives to find my favourite Indie Bites episodes that you might not have heard, and today I've picked out my very favourite one. This is from episode 6, re-edited and remastered from my interview with Sabah Kanejad, co-founder and CEO of V.io, an online video editing platform. When I interviewed Saba, Vidra were at around 2 million ARR fully bootstrapped. And since this interview, they've gone on to bootstrap to around 8 million before raising a whopping $35 million from Sequoia Capital. And when I first met Saba years before this interview, Veed was just a small product that wasn't generating any revenue. And so this episode is special to me because I've followed Veed's journey from the start and it's been truly inspiring to see. And despite Saba now being the CEO of a company with hundreds of employees, he still loves giving advice to early stage founders. And that's exactly what this episode is. Advice and passion from someone who loves the sport of indie hacking. But before we get into this episode, I'd like to, of course, thank my sponsor, Email Octopus, who make this show happen. They're an email platform focused on affordability with a very generous free plan and ease of use without the bloated features that a lot of these email apps have. So you can focus on shipping and growing your audience, which regular listeners will know is essential for growth in the early days. So to get started with an email platform that gets out of the way, head to emailoctopus.com where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers for free or hit the link in the show notes. Let's get into this special episode with Saba from Veed. Saba, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely mad because I, I think to when I first met you and Veed was just this thing you were building wasn't generating every re- any revenue to uh, a couple of months ago when you came on the Martin Mashup podcast and you were at a million in revenue and now you're at 1.7. That's yeah. mad. Yeah, oh, it's been so fast. It's been crazy. And how have you been dealing with the intense growth? Has it been stressful on you, growing the team? I think the main strain is going to be like customer service and us wanting to move faster and to get all the features in that all the users want. The great thing about software is you can add more and more people and not as much breaks. It has been tough and we're still getting through it, but yeah, we're happy and we're enjoying it. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about Veed. What is it? So Veed is a simple online video editing platform. So it's like a Canva for video and people use it to make content for social. They use it to edit webinars, make podcast videos, Basically, any kind of content you want to make for social that's video-based, you can do it with us. Amazing. Where did the idea come from to start off with? I was making content myself, YouTube and Instagram, professionally and personally. And I felt that the tools available at the time were just not up to scratch. So I was editing 20-second clips in Premiere or After Effects, and it just felt very bloated. Yeah, I was just really interested in the space and thought there was some opportunities to do something interesting there, really. And in in terms of the space, there are quite a few online video editing tools out there. Wave, Headliner, Capwing. What makes feed different from those? There was obviously video editing products out there online. I remember actually sitting with the local cafe of Tim. We're looking at them and it just wasn't what we were looking for. So that's why we decided to move forward. You know, even now, I think it's a huge market and there's lots of really interesting use cases which each company focuses on. 
Yeah, well, the, the fact that there is so much competition now is a testament to the need for this as a tool. And I'm, I'm, I'm a user of Vida. I think it's absolutely brilliant. What market are you specifically going after? Because there's some of these tools that specifically go over after YouTubers, some that go after podcasters. Subtitling is something that we focus on quite heavily. Our users love it. I think we've got a really good offering. And so I think you hear it again and again with products, just focus on one thing and do it really well. And I think if you can nail that one thing, then everything else can spin out of it. And how much do you charge for Veed at the moment? How does that look in terms of margins for you? Sure. So we charge, there's two plans. There is a $12 a month and a $25 a month plan when paid annually uh, or 20% more than that if you pay monthly. At the moment, we put away about 25% of that revenue into the bank to save for a bit of a rainy day and make a bit of a buffer. Because we are bootstrapped, we don't have reserves in the bank. So that's how we build our reserves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, we were saying just before you started, you've now got a team of about 20. How has that been for you hiring people and managing them and seeing your team grow? Have you had any growing pains with that? Yeah, massively. I think there's a personal growing pain where it's just to put it in some context, like 14 months ago, there was me, Tim, Matej Vilko, so just four of us. And I was developing, designing, doing marketing, and everyone was doing a bit of everything. Now, 14 months later, I do none of that. And it's more like management. So that's that's been a hard transition for me because I, all the designing is what I really love doing. In terms of hiring the team, that's been challenging. Delegating has been challenging. It's just new skills that I've never exercised before that I've had to learn. How did you choose who to hire at, at the start when you started generating more revenue and you got to that point to hire? Because a lot of people, do, do they hire a new dev person to build out the product? Do they hire sales? Do they hire marketing? How did you make that decision? I think it depends on every company, I think individually what they're lacking. And I remember at the start, we had really good traffic. So we weren't worried about growing marketing hugely, but we we're like, actually, the product needs work. And there's a lot of complexity when building a video editing platform, especially when it comes down to the video file formats and like making sure they work in the browser, saving projects and making the collaboration work and all this stuff. So development was our main focus. And then all of a sudden, marketing looks really small. So then we start hiring people into marketing. Was there a turning point for you where you started making enough revenue from V to go, okay, this works out? Was there ever a point where you thought, mm, I'm not too sure how long we're going to be able to keep this up? So when we got our first paid user, I was like, oh my God, we might actually do this. And even at that point, you just don't know if you're going to make it work out. And then the next inflection point is like profitability. And when I say profitability, I mean like, you know, all of us just pay ourselves one, two thousand dollars a month. That's really liberating time because it's like, hang on, I don't need to go back to a job ever again. Well, not ever again, but like, you know, there's no immediate rush for anything to change here. The hardest, but also the most fun times are the pre-products when you're just first building it out, when it is super risky. But, you know, that's also the time where it's just like, am I doing the right thing? Could it like, might, maybe it will fail? I don't know, you know? Yeah. And a lot of indie hackers are working on their projects or their side hustles alongside a full-time job. Were you working a full-time job when you started Veed? And at what point did you leave? We have the initial phase where me and Tim worked on Veed full-time for eight months. Once we got the first basic, really bad version of Veed live, we ran out of money and had to go back to work for eight months. But during those eight months, we were working evenings and weekends and then, you know, used the salaries that we were getting to hire two part-time developers to help us out. So we kept it moving forwards, which was really important. 
I think we we are by nature both of us very high risk and very all in. Yeah, we, we've mentioned him a few times as your co-founder. A lot of indie hackers are building their projects solo. They, they, they won't have a co-founder. Do you think it's worth these solo founders going out to find a co-founder? First of all, I think co-founders are great. And I actually think three people is a perfect number especially in those early days. Doing it on your own is so hard because you might just spend all your time just developing and not speaking to users and marketing. So yeah, I would encourage people to find co-founders, but I I wouldn't necessarily seek a co-founder. I would just put yourself in an environment where you might meet other people that are super interesting or that you know have similar ideas and you might just have some great synergy with someone and that's a perfect co-founder. But in general, we're part of Weekend Club together and there's a lot of people that we chat to and we meet up with externally in real life, have some drinks. So put yourself in the environment basically where you, where you are exposed to other interesting people and see what happens, you know. Going back to the sort of the, the start of Veed, you're, you're bootstrapped, you've done really well to grow to the point you are now. For those people that are at the start of their journey trying to build users, what did you do to get your first 100 users? So one product hunt launch can get you a hundred pretty easily. Like one Reddit launch will get you a hundred relatively easy. It's not that hard. You've just got to keep plugging away and keep sharing and keep telling the world about what you're building in whatever way, shape or form you can do. If it's a B2B, maybe you need to go to talks or write blog posts or go to conferences. Or if it's like a more B2C, it's posting on Product Hunt or Reddit, Quora, it doesn't really matter. And I think there's different opportunities always at different times. So like when we just started, Quora was really great. And we were able to post hundreds and hundreds of answers on Quora. Now we can't do it. Also, just back to what we were saying about co-founders, it's really hard to have your finger on the pulse if you're just in a development environment all day coding. So if someone's actively spending all their time on marketing, that's that's great. And I, I guess getting your first sort of hundred or first thousand users might be easier when you're free. And you started out as a free product, right? We were free for the eight months. And then how did you start converting people to paid? And at what point did you introduce that paid plan to start generating some revenue? So we grew from zero to about 30,000 monthly users because it was a free product, because it was very low barrier to entry. You just come on, no account. We decided to start charging our products because someone said that they didn't think we would convert anyone. And we were like, yeah, we will. We basically just dropped our payroll and just converted about 10 people on the on that first day, which is incredible. Yeah. What, what, why did you start for free? Because that'll probably be scary for a lot of indie hackers who want to start charging for their products right away because they need to generate revenue if they're ever going to leave their jobs. Why is it you started for free? The product, when it first went live, you couldn't charge for. And then increasingly, it gets better and better and you get more and more people. If you think to yourself that it goes live with the paywall, you might be making your life way too hard, right? That you need you need to get your product out there as quickly as possible. And you need to get people using it and get their feedback as much as possible. And if you make the barrier to entry high with a paywall and you make it hard for yourself to produce this piece of software, it's just going to slow you down. So we got the basic version out, kept improving. In hindsight, we probably should have started charging for it about three months earlier than we did. But first time proper founder, should we say. So yeah, I'm still learning. For your marketing strategy, you said you started off doing the core answers. How has that developed over time? And what are you doing now for growth? Now, we've, we've, I think we think a lot more long term about our growth. So eight months ago, we hired someone to do YouTube videos for us. The YouTube channel gets about 8,000 views every day, which is amazing and converts a good portion of users to the platform. 
as free and paid users. The other thing that we've been doing is like engineering as growth as well. So like we've just built a screen recorder, a webcam recorder, and thinking there is people that maybe want to record their screens and want to record their webcams also want to edit their videos. So that's just a really nice flow into the products and we can make those products free just as a you know way to drive them into the yeah. into the main app. Absolutely. So you've been doing this for a while now. You've been learning along the way with a fast growing business. What advice would you give for founders based on maybe some of the mistakes you've made or those going through a a similar growth path? I would say just get stuff out there. Don't wait for it to be perfect. As an easy hacker, you need to make money to support the business to keep developing on it. So build a product that you can charge for and normally a good litmus test of that is are there other products in the market that people are willing to pay for and people going through like the growth stage and just they've got a bit of revenue i would say push really hard really fast because i am a big believer in like trajectory we are still benefiting from the trajectory of that hard push we did in the first six months and that business is rolling at that speed. So if you want your business to move quicker, just put so much effort in and I think you can get it to take off. All right, Saba, you've been a great guest as always. Uh, I'll, I'll end on a few quick fire questions for you. What do you think is the best book for indie hackers to read? I've got two. So one is the book Traction. It's a um, growth marketing book. And if you've got something going on, you've got a bit of revenue, there's a book called Seven Powers, which is great for business strategy. Favorite podcast to listen to, and it can't be acquired. I like how I built this. I'm sorry. It's good. I enjoy it. Who's an indie hacker you admire or who should people follow? I really like Josh Pigford. His mm. Twitter's really, I don't know. He's just got some really good content. He tweets some good stuff. But yeah, I just got a lot of respect for him. He's a cool guy. Yeah, big fan of Josh. And finally, what are you most excited about for the future, either in business or personal, Saba? Mostly, I'm most excited for coronavirus just going away and we can all go and have fun again. No, I'm looking forward to keep keep growing the team. 10 million ARR is our next huge target that we're going to try and hit next year. Just keep laser focus on the goal and just get on with it. I'm, I'm having fun, man. I'm having fun. Um, amazing. Thanks for joining me, mate. Thanks so much, dude. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Indie Bites with Saba. It was interesting to listen back to see how my interview style has changed and a lot of how some of the advice Saba gave still rings true today. Anyway, a quick thank you to my sponsor, Email Octopus, the easiest email platform that you can get started with today. But that's all from me. See you next week.